This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me to the gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter. The gospel according to Mark in the eighth chapter. We continue our, our study of the book of Mark, the gospel according to Mark. And we come now to the chapter number eight in verse number one. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did eat, or they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye, or have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. And having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many basket full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? We see a very familiar picture here, don't we? In chapter number 8, we see the Lord Jesus 
with a multitude of people that he is teaching, and they're hungry, and he has compassion on them. And his disciples ask a really interesting question, don't they? In verse number 4, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? I'm really amazed at that question, aren't you? Because as we've gone through the gospel according to Mark and as we've studied the scriptures, we understand that the disciples were the eyewitnesses of the miracle that took place not too long before this one where Jesus fed the 5,000. He took five loaves and two small fishes and he broke it and he blessed it and he multiplied it and he fed 5,000 with it and they took up 12 baskets. Now here the disciples are in the same type situation. A little later, a little different, and obviously a different area, and, and they, they hear the heart of Jesus and his desire to fill these people with bread. They've traveled, many of them, great distance. He says in verse 3, for divers uh, of them came from far. That means many of them, a variety of them, that's what the word divers means, came from far. They traveled greatly. They had been listening to Jesus, listening to his teaching. They'd been with him for three days, and they had nothing to eat. So it seems very familiar. But the disciples ask a question that we would consider sort of a, pardon the expression, a dumb question. How are we going to feed these people in the wilderness? We come now to verse number 17, and we find that Jesus asked them a question. Jesus said unto them in verse 17, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread, perceive ye not yet? In other words, do you not yet understand? Do you not get it? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Verse 18, Having eyes see ye not, having ears hear ye not, and do ye not remember? Verse 21, He said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? I remember trying to help one of my children with her homework, and uh, I found that all of my children are different. They have different abilities and different gifts, and there are certain subjects that one may do well in that the other may not get so easily. They do not all think like me, which is a very good thing. I see things from a certain perspective. Maybe they see things from a different perspective. And I remember trying to help one of them with a particular subject, and I, I began to get a little bit frustrated. And I asked the question, how is it that you don't get this? And my wife, who is always a constant encouragement to me, let me have it. And reminded me that everybody doesn't see things the way I do. And Jesus said to these disciples, how is it that ye do not understand? As I've thought about this passage and what I wanted what I would like to point out in this text and maybe the title I'd like to give it, this is the thought that keeps coming to my mind, slow learners. Slow learners. And here we find the Lord Jesus is patient. Aren't you glad? He's patient with slow learners. These disciples are dull. You know, we might say their bulb is not always the brightest. They're slow learners. 
I can identify with them. I can identify with them. I've been a slow learner. And I continue to be a slow learner. And God has been so gracious and kind to me and to all of us. How is it, he said, that you do not understand? He was patient with them in their dullness. And then, of course, he had the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they walked in their darkness. And we find he was perturbed with them. He was perturbed with them. He left them. He did not entertain their foolish notions because they had no interest in knowing the truth. They were only there to express their disagreement and their contention toward him. And then we see uh, not only was he perturbed with them, but we find that when it came to the crowd and their needs, he was compassionate toward them. He sought to meet their needs. I want you to notice some things in this passage, and we're going to sort of not, not really necessarily in this passage be able to look at everything in detail. We'll just sort of take a, the view from overhead. And uh, I hope you'll write some things down. Number one, number one, Jesus refreshed the people. Verse number one, in those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. Here we see that Jesus is a God of compassion. The Son of God is full of compassion for people. Here he is with his disciples dealing uh, with their, 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 their slowness to learn and their uh, their, their lack of faith and their forgetfulness, he's dealing with them. He's also dealing with the Pharisees who are constantly resisting him, and he is teaching the people. But in the midst of all of this activity, he has compassion on them. This is the second time we see him uh, perform a miracle like this. And, and what we note is the heart of God and his compassion for people. And may God help us as his people as we go about our business as we go about the ministry of the church, may God help us to understand that we need to be compassionate toward people. We see the compassion of Jesus. Notice what he says. He said they had nothing to eat. There was no food for them. And the Lord said they've been with me now for three days. And they, many of them have been on a long journey. And if I if I let them go after teaching them the truth and I, I have not met the needs of their physical body, I've met the need of their soul, those who believed upon him, those who heard him and believed, he met the need of their soul. And no doubt he met the needs of many. And then by the power of his miracle, he had confirmed his ability to meet the need of their soul and who he was, the Son of God, to be able to create from just seven loaves and a few fishes, enough food to feed 4,000 people. They understood they weren't dealing with just any man or just any prophet, but that they were dealing with the Son of God. And so he has compassion on them, and he desires to meet their need physically. They're weary and faint. Notice what he says in verse 3. If I send them away fasting, if I send them away without food, without feeding them, for they will faint by the way, they'll fall out, they're so weary, they're so hungry and in need, they won't make it home. 
for divers of them came from far. He has compassion on the people. We see the compassion of Jesus. Then I want you to see a second thing here as we consider the fact that he refreshed the people. We see the question of Jesus. We see his compassion, but notice his question. In verse 4, his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Lord, we know you want to feed them. We know you care about them. But to be honest with you, have you not thought about the fact that we don't have anything to feed them with? You know, it's, it's, it's natural for us to look at the need and see how large it is and then to look at the insufficiency of our own provisions and, and, to, and to say, as the disciples would say here in verse number uh, 4, it can't be done. It can't be done. I want you to think about what the Austins are trying to do and help establish uh, ministries on the campuses of uh, universities and colleges across our country. Uh, we understand the need is great, right? Uh, young people, we hear so much about millennials. We hear so much about what they're being indoctrinated with and what they're, what they're being taught and the fact that they're not embracing the Christian faith. And, and we look at the need and we say, oh, man, this need is overwhelming. And it is. And, and God has raised up the Austins to partner together with local churches to establish ministries on the campuses where those local churches are located. And none of those local churches probably feel like they have the financial resources or the trained people or, or the program offerings that they perhaps might think they need to reach those campuses. And maybe they would say, Lord, how in the world are we going to feed all these college kids? How are we going to reach them? They're not going to believe the message. They're, they've been indoctrinated in all of this evolution and all of these uh, thoughts that are anti-God and anti-Bible. How in the world are we going to see anything happen? The disciples were forgetful, and they had no faith. And Jesus, by asking them this question that he poses to them in verse 5, presents them even further with their dilemma. Notice verse 5, and he asked them, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. You know what Jesus is doing? He is giving the disciples a, an exam. It's test day. And, and as we're going to see, they're slow learners. It's test day. And he, he, he's saying to them, he's saying to them, well, wait a minute, boys, how many loaves do you have here? And they're going to come back to him with a report. Seven. We got seven. That's all we got. We got 4,000 here, and we got seven loaves of bread. That's all we can find. Sometimes, when, as I said, when we evaluate the need, when we evaluate what's going on in people's lives, and then we uh, evaluate our resources, uh, our giftedness, our time, our finances, our knowledge of the Word of God, our abilities to speak or, 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 or to not speak, and we evaluate the need in light of the supply that we have, we'd say to the Lord, as the disciples said, we just have seven. There's, there's absolutely no way we can meet the needs. And Jesus calls their attention to that with his question. And so we see the compassion of Jesus, and we see the question of Jesus. 
And the disciples in their answer, they're proving to be slow learners, aren't they? And then I want you to notice the provision, the provision. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set before them people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Well, what did Jesus do? He did what he does. He took what they brought him. As far as we know, they brought everything they had, and they gave it to Jesus. Uh, he commanded them, the Bible says, and, and when he commanded them, they were, they were obedient to his command. I want to ask you a question. As a church, as a Christian, have you been obedient to him? You say, man, I, I sure would like to see God work in our church the way he worked in the midst of the multitude and fed them. I would really like to see God do that. In fact, it's been so long since I've seen God really do that, I don't know if he really will do it. Well, maybe it's because it's been so long since we've obeyed him. Do you believe that the God that we serve has lost his power? Then what's the problem? He commanded them, and they obeyed. Sit down, he said. Bring me the loaves. Yes, we'll do it. Well, what do you want to sit down for? I mean, the day is getting late, and we, we're hungry, and some of these people aren't going to make it home. We need to get them somewhere where they can get food. No, 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 no. Sit down. Do you know, listen, in our anxiety and in our restlessness and in our activity and in our flurry, you know what is good for us to hear? Jesus say, sit down. Take a seat. Well, what are you going to do, Lord? Don't worry about that. Just take a seat. Well, how are you going to meet this need, Lord? Don't worry about that. Take a seat. See me work. Trust me. And so they bring to him the seven loaves. Then I want you to notice what he does. He, he, he does what he did before. He, he, he break it, verse 6. He, he blessed it. He, he break it. He gave it to his disciples. And the disciples, as they took it from the hands of Jesus, took it to the hands of the people. He did the same thing with the fish, verse 8. So they did eat and were, what's the next word in verse 8? So they did eat and were what? Filled. I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't meet our needs partially. He meets them completely. He filled them. He met the need of their lives. He met the need of their souls. He met the need of their bodies. And he did so in an abundant fashion. Not only did he fill them, but they took up seven baskets. Seven baskets. So we see that Jesus refreshed the people. I'm thinking about the dear people that we have in our church and the needs of their lives at this moment. Physical, we've called the attention to many physical needs. But there are people in our church who not only have physical needs, they have spiritual needs. 
They, they have mental needs and emotional needs, relationship needs, maybe having problem in their marriage, having problem with their children, and great strain and great difficulty. A trial has come to them in their life on the job, and they don't know how in the world they're going to make it. And here we find that Jesus sees, and Jesus has compassion, and Jesus has the power to meet our needs. And so he refreshed the people. Let me give you the second thing. Jesus resisted the proud. Let me tell you the difference between the Pharisees and the people. The people were there to hear Jesus. The Pharisees were there to be heard. The people were there to receive from Jesus. The Pharisees were there simply with this in mind. We are already determined to reject Jesus. The people were there in acknowledgement of their need. The Pharisees were there, and they had no needs. They were filled with pride. They were filled with themselves. The people were empty. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 10, and straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came to the parts of Dalmanutha, and the Pharisees came forth and began to question. That means they began to contend with him. They weren't questioning because they wanted to know. They were questioning because they did not believe him. And they were seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. Jesus put his disciples to the test. Here we see the Pharisees are putting Jesus to the test. They're saying, we want you to march to the beat of our drum. We, we want to see you put on a demonstration for us. We don't necessarily believe you, so we want to see a sign. But the signs were already there. The signs had already taken place all before them. And they refused to believe. And so here are the cynics and here are the skeptics who want Jesus to satisfy the curiosity of their fleshly desires and their worldly wisdom. They want to examine Jesus in light of their uh, perverted, dark, dim world They've set themselves up as his judge. By the way, isn't that what we see happening in our world? People say, well, if God's God, why does he let this happen? And why doesn't he do this? And, 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 and why doesn't he show us? And, and, and why, why, I mean, all he has is this old book, this archaic book. I mean, what, why, why doesn't Jesus do something? Oh, friend, he's already done so much. He's waiting on you to believe. But this crowd will not believe. Notice how Jesus responds to them. In verse 12, he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them. You know, he resists them here. He refreshed the people, but he, he resisted the proud. He, he resisted the Pharisees. He sighed deeply. That means he, he groaned, and it was visible, and it was, it was audible. They could see uh, his, his, his frustration, perhaps, and, and the anxiety, the pain that, that, that he, he experienced because of their obstinance, because of their obvious disregard for who he was and what he had done and their constant desire to have him jump through the hoops that they put in place. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is not here uh, to dance when you blow your trumpet. He's not here to jump through your hoops. 
He's the Son of God who has come to give you eternal life. And you must humble yourself and come before him and repent of your sin. Uh, There's no doubt we live in an age of cynicism and skepticism. And we're confronted with it. We hear their voices all the time. And they become more and more mainstream. But I want you to know the Lord doesn't need to prove himself. He already has proven himself. And so he resisted the proud. I'm glad that though he resists the proud, he does give grace to the humble. And I certainly need it, don't you? Jesus refreshed the people. He resisted the proud. Then thirdly, he reproved the disciples. Verse 14, they're back on the boat and departed to the other side. The disciples forgot to take bread with them, the Bible tells us. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. So they they got a loaf. They got a little bread to eat. That's it. Seven baskets full. I guess they didn't take any of the leftovers. Verse 15, he charged them saying, Take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. What is leaven? Leaven is something that you put in uh, when, you, when you make the bread, and it causes the bread to rise. It's an ingredient that is used. Now, it is one that the Lord commanded the Jews not to use in the observance of Passover. They're to use unleavened bread. And leaven in the Bible is a picture. It is a symbol of sin. It is a symbol of evil. And Jesus said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And so uh, here he says to them, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Now, notice their response to his charge here, to his warning. Verse 16, and they reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. They think Jesus is talking to them about bread. Jesus is not talking to them about bread. Now, I want you to think about something. How long had they been with Jesus and heard him talk? I mean, they were there when he explained unto them the parable of the sower. They understood who, uh, they were coming, rather, to understand who he was. And they had heard his teaching. They had heard his conversation. They were beginning to learn him. But it didn't seem like they were making much progress, did it? Because all they can think of is the material. All they can think of is what is before them at this moment. Isn't that often the way we are? Even as we assemble together to hear from God's Word, oftentimes our minds are preoccupied with the material. They're preoccupied not with the eternal. They're they're preoccupied with the temporal. And therefore, we're not able to receive all that the Lord has for us to hear. And so here they are. They cannot get their head above the clouds necessarily. They cannot see beyond that which is right in front of them. And all they're thinking about here now is the bread. <laughs> I, I, I thought about that this week, and I thought, how many discussions do we have about food? What are we going to eat today? What would you like this week? I'm going to the store. What do you want me to get? Where would you like to eat today for lunch? You see, our minds are preoccupied with it, aren't we? With ourselves and with the physical material enjoyment that we can gain. 
And so here they are. They're saying, well, no, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why is he asking us this? Well, he must be concerned because we didn't bring any bread. Verse 17, and when Jesus knew it, he saith unto him, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye yet your heart hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember? No, they didn't. They didn't get it. And what was the leaven he was talking about? Well, there's the leaven of the Pharisees. What was the leaven of the Pharisees? Write it down, please. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. The, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, but they had departed from the true uh, the truth of the law of Moses. They were long since departed from that. They elevated the traditions of men above the truth of God, and they had no idea or no intention, rather, to live according to their teachings. Jesus said they put burdens on men, but they don't even intend with their finger to bear up any weight of, of, of any of the burdens that they put on people. They'd come up with over 600 and something uh, additional uh, laws or restrictions concerning the law that they added to the burden of the people. Listen, we shouldn't add to the burden of people. And Jesus by no means wanted to add to the burden of people. He came to relieve it. And let me tell you how he relieved it. You and I could never live a righteous life that would please and satisfy a holy God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did so. He bore my sin. He lived a righteous, holy life. He died on the cross for me. And the moment I receive him by faith, his righteousness has been imputed to my account. There is nothing that I need to do to satisfy Jesus. There's nothing that I can do to earn favor with Jesus except believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And once I've done that, I've been relieved of my burden. Now, I want to serve him because I love him, and I should, and so should you. But the leaven of the Pharisees here. Then there was the leaven of the Herodians. What was that? Well, that was just, that was compromise. That was sinful pleasure. They were hostile people. Who were the Herodians? They were political leaders. And what they had done is they had compromised with Rome and the world to gain political power. They had aligned with Rome. They abused their power. They destroyed anybody who got in their way and they were intoxicated by worldly pleasures. And here the Lord is warning his disciples, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Herodians. Don't let that worldly desire, that desire for power, that desire for pleasure, don't let those, those uh, hypocritical tendencies come into your life because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And he, he is reproving the disciples here. And they're not getting it. They're not getting it. And so I want you to see a fourth thing. Jesus restored the blind. And we'll, we'll move quickly through this, and we'll pick up again this evening. Verse 22, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. Do you see anything? That's what he said. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. So Jesus takes this man out of town. He's blind. He takes him out of Bethsaida. Remember, the Lord pronounced curses on Bethsaida because of their unbelief. 
And so he takes this man out of town. He, he spits on his eyes. His saliva impacts the man's eyes. The man can't see, but he can feel it. He put his hands upon him. Again, he can't see, but he can feel it. Jesus is in, has engaged this man as he did the deaf man. And he asked him if he saw anything. And the man looked up, and here's what he said. He said, I see men as trees walking. In other words, he didn't see clearly, did he? I see men as trees walking. Verse 25, after that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored. And he saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go in the town nor tell it to any in the town. Don't go back into Bethsaida and tell them what I did. I said, I could do no mighty work here. Now, as I look at that miracle, as I've read that miracle before, I read it and I wonder, why did Jesus have to touch the man twice? Why did Jesus have to touch him? I haven't read where he ever had to do that with anybody else. And I asked myself the question, did he have to touch him twice because the guy had a really bad case of blindness? Or did he have to touch him twice because... He just didn't have enough power to get it done the first time. Well, maybe the guy did have a really bad touch of blindness, but in comparison to the power of God, it's no match. So it couldn't be that. And we certainly know that Jesus didn't lose his power because he just fed the, the 4,000. So then I asked the question, why, why did Jesus have to touch him twice? Well, remember who he's dealing with. Who's he dealing with? The disciples. And how did we characterize the disciples? As slow learners. I mean, they got some of it, but they didn't get it all, did they? Now, here's the man blind, and Jesus touches him, and he sees, but it's a little bit foggy. I see men as trees walking. I, I, I mean, I can kind of see the outline of their bodies and their arms and their legs, but it's, it, you know, it's just not real clear to me. And the Lord said, well, let me touch you again. And when he did, what did he see? He saw them clearly. Now, here's the lesson. You see, Jesus has been teaching his disciples. He's been giving them valuable instruction. And, and now he's going to give them a wonderful illustration. Here's a man who can't see. He's blind. Hey, that's all of us. Born blind, we can't see the truth of God's word, or the person of Jesus. We're just walking in the darkness of this world, bound in sin. But then Jesus touches us. He touches us, and he gives us sight. And many of you who know the Lord Jesus understand this to be true, that the moment you receive Christ as your Savior, you see things completely differently. You've come into the light of the truth of God's Word. But we also know this about ourselves. We don't always get it all at one time, do we? We see, but we don't see clearly. We see, but it's a little bit foggy. You know, the disciples saw, but how did they see? They saw men as trees. They saw Jesus. They saw his power. They heard his teaching, but they still hadn't quite fully got it. They were slow learners, just like you and I. We have opinions that aren't 
what they ought to be, but yet we hold on to them very dearly. We have thoughts about how things should go, but they really don't match up with the truth of God's Word. We look at people in a certain light, but we don't see them as Jesus sees them. We, we read the Bible from a certain perspective, but we don't quite fully grasp all that there is. And there's only one way, there's only one way to see clearly. That is to continue to sit in the presence of Jesus and allow Him to touch you again and again and again and again. If you want to see clearly, you're going to have to sit with Jesus. And I'm glad he'll sit with us as long as we'll sit with him because he's very patient with slow learners. And they got it. How do you know they got it? Well, just read on there. Notice verse 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying, unto them, whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. This, this is the opinion of the people. Jesus asked the disciples, who do the people say? Verse 29, then the question comes. Hey, the test is still going on. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God. You know what we know about Peter? He got the second touch. The fog lifted, and he could see clearly. And Jesus said to him in the book of Matthew, Blessed art thou. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to, to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And slow learners, slow learners receive illumination if they follow on with Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.